0: Welcome to Lockdown NFL, the number one daily podcast on the National Football League on the number one daily sports podcast network. I am Brian Peacock alongside the scout Matt Williamson. You can find me on Twitter at BDPeacock. Matt is a must follow at Williamson NFL. You can find this program and all the shows here on the Locked On Podcast Network on all of your favorite podcast apps. And really most of the frenzy happened... In the tampering period, Matt, before free agency actually got rolling, but still seeing a few things happen. Some more free agents signing. The flow is a little bit slower. But before we get to our Twitter Thursday questions, there's a couple of big trades that happened in the last 24 hours that we should get to. And let's start with the latest one, and that is a big one. And and I love it for the Eagles. The Detroit Lions have traded cornerback Darius Slay to the Eagles for third and fifth round draft picks in this upcoming draft and Slay has already reached an agreement on a three-year extension according to Adam Schefter a three years 50 million dollars that includes 30 million guaranteed so the Eagles basically got a little bit older corner than the Miami Dolphins did they had to pay a third and fifth round draft pick for trade but they got them for less money than the Dolphins did Byron Jones and the Eagles were apparently in on Byron Jones so do you think they ended up maybe lucking out and getting a better deal even though they had to give up the draft picks
1: Uh, That's a good question. I I prefer Jones as a player, but not by leaps and bounds, and his age factors into that as well. Slay is, I mean, he's had tough assignments. I mean, he's the number one corner that often goes against Devontae Adams, Allen Robinson, whatever Vikes guy you want to line him up against. So, I mean, he's used to dealing with top-end assignments, and he's done it quite well. Um, you mentioned you love it for the Eagles. I do, too. I mean, I, I think this is somewhat of a sleeping giant. I mean, it wasn't long ago that they won the Super Bowl, and they've been the, the most injury-ridden team in the league since then. So uh, you had a corner like this to, at a really weak spot, and then maybe a first-round receiver, maybe even a Henry Ruggs, who knows, and Wentz stays healthy. I think this team's very, very strong. I, I respect the way they build their team, a third and a five and an extension. It is very fine for me if I'm a, an Eagles you know, bystander. And then I look at it from a Lions perspective, and you kind of saw the writing on the wall because they signed Font yesterday as well, who's a good player, and they put a lot of stress on their corners in a Patriot-like way. Um, and I think there's still an excellent chance that they take Acuna with, with their pick, whether it's a trade down or where they sit. So they'll probably be fine at the position. They pick up two valuable draft picks. I mean, a third and a five for a guy his age, I think, is adequate. And and he made it pretty apparent he wanted out and they made it pretty apparent they weren't going to extend him. So you're not going to get people giving you first round picks for him.
0: And I get why Byron Jones made a lot more money than Darius Slay or I mean, he's two years younger, so 27 years old versus 29 years old, which is an important factor there. And. Jones had the better year last year than Slay did. And, you know, Slay, when you, a cornerback starts getting toward 30, you, get, you start to get a little bit worried. But I think you nailed it because Slay's assignments are are many times a lot more difficult. Jones played a little bit more zone, and he was on one side more often. And Slay's just going to be on your best guy all the time. And, and that's difficult. And he's faced some really tough wide receivers and played them really well. So uh, for what the Eagles do, I like the move for Slay. They they solidify that position, which was so important for them, and they could still not even be done at the cornerback position because that was such a need for them, mm-hmm. and uh, they still have some free agents in-house that maybe they could bring back. Ronald Darby is still out there. I haven't seen him sign yet. Um, they could still go into the drafted corner, but like you mentioned, now that really opens up wide receiver in round one for them, and they're in a pretty good spot at 21 to either get the best of the second tier of wide receivers that they like and they come in all shapes and sizes in that group or potentially moving up for one of the top three or if they get lucky and one of those guys like rugs falls to them at 21. I mean, that would be amazing.
1: Yeah, I agree. I mean, they are an aggressive organization. It wouldn't shock me at all if they moved up five spots. If one of those guys starts to fall, it's certainly a possibility. They'll get somebody they like if they stand if they stand pat, or even go corner in round one and get a quality receiver in round two. They have a lot of options. I think they're in a really good position. You know, don't forget they have two great tight ends. I think Miles Sanders is a breakout candidate too. So really strong offensive line. Still, I, I think they're a pretty complete team. Malcolm Jenkins being gone though worries me a little. Yeah, I mean he was the, the facilitator of that defense, the quarterback of that defense. Tough. Um, I, I think they're going to have a difficult time replacing what he brings, though.
0: There are some good defensive backs in this draft, too. Yeah. Uh, at the safety position, I wonder if that's maybe a dark horse position, a, a Grant Delpit, uh, Xavier McKinney type in round one. Uh, there, it's still some maybe. value down into round two and three, but uh, them trading away that third and fifth round pick makes it a little bit more difficult if they did want to make that trade up that we talked about for a wide receiver. But I'm with you. The Philadelphia Eagles way underperformed last year. And I expect them to bounce back and just regress a little bit, just be better, even if they stood pat. And I think they're going to be better. I like this move for them to uh, to help them do that. And I know you're a big fan of Carson Wentz. And so, yeah, the Eagles are still the Eagles. And I'm sure they will be a problem uh, in the NFC East next season. There's another big trade that we've got to get to here before we hit the Twitter Thursday questions, Matt. And that was the Chicago Bears finding their Second quarterback. I don't know how to feel about this one. Nick Foles. Is he clearly the guy who's going to take the reins away from Mitch Trubisky? He's getting paid quite a bit of money. They traded their compensatory fourth round pick, I believe, is the only fourth round pick they had. So it's going to be a late fourth. The Bears trade it to Jacksonville Jaguars, and the Jags were able to get out from under that Nick Foles contract, which is a little surprising.
1: Yeah, I want to start with the Jags and. I crush them. I mean, I'm rough on the Jags, and I, I don't have any quarrels about that. I don't have any, you know, problem about it. I stand by it the way I said. <laughs> I think the the Foles contract was a bad one to begin with. So, them getting a pick of some value for him, I'm fine with. I just look at it and say, "You're that sold on Gardner Minshew, though." <laughs> you know, like. I mean, I know they don't have any cap money and all their cap money went to a linebacker, you know, whatever. I mean, are they truly tanking? Do they truly believe in Minshew? Do they not quite know? Are they playing the fences? Do they think they're better than they are? I don't know. I mean, I just don't know what to think of what they think of themselves, if that makes sense. Because to go, I mean, you draft Minshew in what, the sixth round last year and he was fine. But now all of a sudden you're just perfectly fine just handing it all to him. I mean, I don't know. Or maybe you're just making up for bad mistakes and, you know, plugging holes in the damn type of thing by with the, you know, getting whatever you can for Foles. As for the Bears, I kind of feel the same about them too. Like, I'm not big on either one of these organizations right now from a GM standpoint. Can't you do better than Foles? I mean, do the, the Bear fans feel a lot better that you got Foles and Trubisky now? Like, he very well could win the job. He's probably the better of the two players as it stands today. But this seems like their front office saying, "We don't think we made a mistake with Foles. We're just gonna, or with Trubisky. We're just going to add another guy like any other team would. You know, just uh, in the mix. You know, I'm like I don't.
0: It's yeah, yeah. From the Bears' perspective, I get it. Foles makes sense for competition. Someone that is probably yeah. going to beat out. Mitch Trubisky it's not a slam dunk it's not that you know it's not as if they signed Tom Brady or something like that but they had to do something at quarterback and there was rumors about Teddy Bridgewater and I understand they didn't want to go that extent with the money that Bridgewater got paid and Mm -hmm. Bridgewater got a better situation to be a no doubt starter in Carolina I think so I understand so it was tough for the Bears because they just couldn't really there was just no great fit for them either on their end or for a quarterback's end coming in and thinking well do I have this job or do I not have this job so it's tough and I think maybe Foles is the best it was that contract makes it a little bit more difficult and and who knows maybe just that slight upgrade from Trubisky to Foles if Foles is that guy we saw at the Eagles a couple years ago maybe that's enough and maybe that's enough with that Bears defense to have a little bounce back and be a, a much improved team we'll see and from the Jaguars perspective this is probably the best deal they've made all offseason just because they got out from (laughs) under that contract and when it comes to Gardner Minshew I know earlier they said they would try to trade Foles, and I was skeptical they'd be able to do that and they wanted to go with Gardner Minshew as their starter I mean that's fine but I think it doesn't count quarterback out for them too let's say if Herbert is still on the board at nine I think that's something they still have to consider
1: yeah good point too and they do have a lot of draft capital now so give them credit there I mean they could trade up for Tua and and then I'd say okay now you got a direction I mean so the shoe hasn't dropped yet. That yet there, and they, there's more story to be written as opposed to we are just sold to Minshew be a Hall of Famer. You know, like I'm not right. quite buying that quite yet. <laughs> um, you kind of mentioned Foles might be good enough. I agree with you for like a month. You know, like I think he's just so streaky that he's had streaks at the right time. I don't think he can be good enough for. Thirty-two games over the course of two years, but right? I think he could come in and light a fire under the team for a month. They beat the Packers, they beat the Vikes, and then the next month they get beat up by the Lions. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I, I, his inconsistency bothers me,
0: and I have a soft spot for Foles because he helped me win a fantasy football championship that <laughs> year. Because I believe I think I had Aaron Rodgers who got hurt, and Foles was my guy who replaced replaced him and that was when i had rookie alvin kamara rookie kareem hunt and it was like i just had this team that was steamrolling people i lost my quarterback and then Foles saved me and i still won the championship and, and won a lot of money in that league so i like Foles, and hopefully he can do for the bears what he did for my fantasy football team a few years ago
1: yeah i, I still look at the bears though like if you were to power rank the the, the the league right now jacksonville's probably 32 for me and i don't know if the bears are in my top 20
0: the NFC is is crazy right now. Uh, yeah. That's that's going to be a fun one. We've got a lot more to talk about with that. I know we both love the Bucks, and adding Brady really just solidifies that team. Um, And uh, it's going to be fun. We're going to have to break down all of these teams more in depth. We'll, I, we'll probably go division by division and, and look at all the smaller sure, yeah. deals, and, and we'll get into all of that stuff going forward. But we've got to hit Twitter Thursday, so let's get to those tweets. Here's one, Matt, I want to start with, which is less... Sports driven as of the news that's going on right now in the NFL draft and free agency currently. But this is from a listener, Josie, who tweeted at us a few days ago. Hashtag Twitter Thursday. She said, my boyfriend wants to know if you have any advice on an aspiring sports journalist.
1: Wow. To be honest, I would have a better game plan for you to get into coaching with a team, volunteer like crazy. You know, you're trying to get involved with your college team. I stumbled into journalism. You know, like I know a lot of people like in the, in the Pittsburgh media that study journalism in college. You know, I guess Syracuse is a really good school. I just found that out recently because a bunch of dudes here went to Syracuse. It's close. And um, so, I mean, you can certainly take the traditional route that most people do for their jobs, you know, study it in college, lean towards sports, you know, like my buddy, Dale Lawley, who, um, him and I put host the Steeler show together, you know, he started with a small paper doing hunting and fishing and the Steeler opportunity arise and he jumped on it and he's been with them, you know, last 30 years ever since, you know, that, that it's a a lucky and aggressive move by keep your ears open. Um, I don't know much about journalism. (laughs) I mean, I've written. It's obvious by reading your pieces,
0: Matt. What's that? It's obvious by reading your pieces, Matt.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Right. Right. Like it's funny. I've written thousands of articles on major, major uh, outlets. I've never used a quote from a player. I've never interviewed a player in my life. But besides being like sitting down on the radio, I've never held a microphone in someone's face asking, you know, for quotes. So, I don't really understand journalism much. I'm not a reporter.
0: Yeah, traditional journalism is tough because you and I both took really odd routes to where we are and what we're doing mm-hmm. right now. So as far as the the standard old school newspaper journalist route, and I think that's becoming tougher and tougher, right? Um, I, I would say the first thing I would recommend, and this goes for anybody no matter what they do, if you want to be a writer, write. Like write yeah. like crazy. Don't stop writing. but just, Open up a blog that zero people read. It doesn't matter if only your girlfriend or only your parents read it, if only your buddies read it, write. Practice writing, you know, you don't don't become, Joe Burrow doesn't become the number one pick in the draft because he waited to get paid before he started practicing being good at football, right? So you just, if you're passionate about it, work on it. If you wanna play guitar, great. You play guitar for hours and hours and hours and, and keep working at it, keep working at it. So that's the number one thing. If you wanna be a writer, write. And that's not to say you shouldn't value your time, or be paid for work that you do. Beware of some people that will try to take advantage of you. And get free work that maybe is not helping you out. But if it's helping you out in your career. You're going to have to do a lot of things that don't make great money. You're going to have to make some sacrifices. Uh, the traditional path in you know media, radio, journalism. Is you go work for some weird station in Casper, Wyoming. Or some tiny newspaper covering maybe a sport you don't care about. And you build your resume. And you get your work out there. And you get experience with an established news outlet. Like for me, working radio coming up, I wasn't going to go from an intern at the biggest radio station in San Francisco and immediately get a show on the air. So, you know, I had to do these other jobs and I was booking guests and I was turning knobs and screening calls. If I wanted to go the traditional route, I would have had to move out of the big city and go get a job at some weird radio station somewhere and then hope to get a little better job at another radio station at a little bigger market next and, you know, work your way up that way. But then the podcasting industry exploded and I was literally teaching my class in college, my broadcasting class about what podcasting was, you know, over 10 years ago, 15 years ago now. Uh, it almost, it was like The professor hadn't worked in the industry forever. They they were older. They didn't know what this podcasting thing was. So me and a couple guys who were doing it for the local radio station had a show. We were podcasting it that nobody was listening to, by the way. (laughs) And we taught the class about what this thing was. And it wasn't even a path that at that time I would think that I would be doing podcasting as a major part of my career. And potentially my only career. So you never know what path will be presented to you. Uh I think in this day and age where we are right now finding a niche and a voice is so important so whatever that passion leads you find a subgenre in that you know whether it's NFL draft or if it's statistics and I think a lot of people who have really found a really strong voice in the sports journalism world recently are a lot of really smart young people that found something really interesting and got so deep into that that they knew more about this one tiny niche of the sport than anybody else and it got them hired and got them a job and they are the go to so be the go to for that one thing rather than quote unquote sports which is just really hard to say I want to break into sports because a lot of people do find that one tiny minute detail that you can really geek out on and be the most knowledgeable person at that and tweet about it constantly people will find your work eventually start retweeting you write a blog about it and keep writing keep practicing I think that's the number one and The other thing is, yeah, like you mentioned, volunteer, find find a way to work and and build that resume where you can say, well, I didn't you know, you don't start out writing at ESPN. You start out recruiting for Akron. Right. And then you you build up you build up your your resume from there and you meet people. And when you do good work and you work hard, people recommend you and then it'll start to snowball.
1: Yeah, well, and don't let money be a factor at all, because I have to keep writing, you know, like exercising a muscle or, you know, if you want to play basketball, shoot hoops, you know, i mean, like get good at what you do, but the advantage, some of the guys have now coming up, well, I guess there's advantages and disadvantages. There's more people doing it mm-hmm. and you can find opinions everywhere where that wasn't the case when I was starting in the media, but I also didn't have YouTube or blogs that people would check out or even Twitter. Or I mean, I remember I was at ESPN, Six or seven years before I joined Twitter, I'm like, why would I get on Twitter? Like, who cares that I ordered a pizza and drank a beer? <laughs> and like, nobody cares what I have to say. They're like, get on Twitter, <laughs> you know. Like, right. I, you know, there wasn't those advantages early on either that where you could get exposed. I could, I wrote draft reports on, on paper and sent them to the Steelers. If they didn't look at them, they didn't look at them, you know.
0: Like, yeah, so I, I think that's pretty good. We spent a lot of time on this, and I think that's some good advice. So, yeah, if you want to be a journalist, do journalist things and and be work hard. Make friends, and your your career path is going to be probably insane. It's not like an A B C thing, as, as both no. Matt Williamson and Brian Peacock can attest to you. It's going to be a, a fun path, and and that's kind of part of the fun. And then you'll find your spot, and and you'll be you'll be in a good place. So I hope that answers your question, Josie, and uh, and I appreciate the question. And good luck to your boyfriend on that. I want to move on to the Buccaneers, who are a, a big subject this week. Dallin wants to know, Matt, if you were the Bucks. How would you handle this draft? Overall, how would you go about building that team to contend? First thing I'll say, they're already ready to contend, but they can still get better.
1: Well, I often reference Mike Lombardi on this podcast because I have great respect for him. I read his book. I try to listen to all his podcasts. And his most and he's also very tied in with Tom Brady. Um, his most recent one, he didn't guarantee it, but he basically thinks AB is going to be a buck. And maybe there's a suspension there. He thinks the Brady-Antonio Brown relationship is real. And he kind of looked at it as a positive. I mean, Brown, I've been around him. I mean, he's a lunatic, but he is an insane worker. And if you bring Brady and Brown and their work ethic, it's just such a culture change for that building. And he also, Lombardi also implied that, not that Brady's going to have all the muscle, but he's going to be partial GM here too. You know, like, Like he thinks there's an arrangement saying, yeah, we'll get you your guys. You know, I mean, we have a lot of money to spend. So I think there's more shoes to drop with. And you're reading headlines on Roto World. Lots of free agents want to join the Bucks to play with Brady. I believe all that. So I think they'll add a couple more high quality pieces, high character guys, maybe aside, but definitely work ethic dudes, you know, into the building that are established. And I'm not sure what positions. But you and I have talked about this, BP. I mean, I think this draft sets up ideally for them to go tackle running back. I mean, what better way could you like to fortify that team? I mean, one of the Andrew Thomas and
0: Jonathan Taylor. Like, okay. I mean, that's it just seems too easy and it's really set up for them. And Tom Brady's in house now. Bruce Arians is not the youngest coach in the world. They're win-now mode. I mean, I think ideally you would say, oh, well, who's after Tom Brady? Maybe if somebody falls to 14, you draft your future quarterback. I just don't think they're going to be in that mode. I think they're going to draft you know, Kinlaw, Derrick Brown, offensive tackle, whichever one falls to them, if one of those top four falls to them at 14, and then running back in round two. And and I have a feeling it's going to be a really good one there for them. And it's just a slam dunk and... With what they've got already on offense, if they add AB to that, they already have the best wide receiver duo, I think, in the NFL. You add AB right. to that? I mean, that's just a ridiculous amount of uh, talent on offense for Tom Brady to work with under Bruce Arians. I don't care what Tom Brady's arms like anymore, if he can chuck it downfield, no risk it, no biscuit. It doesn't matter because they're going to get biscuits even if they uh, if they don't risk it very much. And with the defense, it's already ready for prime time, I think. Uh, Maybe, uh, you know, a couple of minor additions there. uh, They're ready to go already and they can be a slam dunk after the first couple of rounds of the draft.
1: Yeah, I I agree. I mean, it also wouldn't blow me away if Melvin Gordon landed there in the next day or two.
0: Oh, that's another one. Melvin Gordon. I didn't think about it. Todd Gurley trade. The Rams are trying to trade Gurley and Cooks right now. And uh, that Rams is another story. I mean, real quick in 30 seconds, Matt, can you sum up what Les Snead is doing in L.A.? Because they've got to sign other expensive players and they have too many expensive players as it is. I I feel like the uh, something is sort of the the foundation is crumbling a little bit there.
1: Yeah, a little bit. I, I think so, too. I mean, they have such... We've talked about it a lot. They have such a unique roster-building model. And I'm not sure that it's working. And I think part of it... I don't mean to attack off. I mean, nobody even brought his name up. But if he was a top-five, top-ten type... If that was Deshaun Watson, I'd be like, eh, he'll make up for everything. Now, I think he needs the star power people around him. You're not going to You're not gonna retrieve your investment on Gurley and Cooks. They're not going to be Jarrell Casey roster dumps, but they... You know, especially Cooks, but they're going to be kind of close. I mean, they need that money to sign offensive linemen, and they were fortunate enough to coax Whitworth out of retirement, but they're thin. I mean, they're so top heavy with their top five, six guys. They, their middle class is really lacking, and I, I just don't think that's the best way to
0: build a team. All right, we've got a ton of questions to get to. Rapid fire. Twitter Thursday coming up. Here's one from John on Twitter, Matt. He says, Gettleman or O'Brien for the next three years? Pick your poison. (laughs) John does Uh, not have faith in either one of these. I get the feeling.
1: uh, As a GM, I'm going to take Gettleman. I mean, neither would be high on my list. That's a tough question. Gettleman at least does the job. Go ahead. Gettleman
0: Gettleman, Gettleman at least does that job, right?
1: At least he is a GM. Yeah. <laughs> so
0: that, if you're counting what the roster already is, I like O'Brien's quarterback. So if you're saying which, which program do I like better for the next three years, I still might pick Houston. Cause I like where they're at already. But if I was starting from scratch, starting from zero, which one would I hire to be my GM? It would have to be Gettleman, even though he's definitely not high on my list either.
1: Yeah. I, I took the question of what man are you backing for the next three years? And Again, Gettleman actually is a GM or O'Brien is playing a GM on TV, but I also think O'Brien has been a very easy target as a coach. Cause I don't think he's super likable. I know his clock management isn't great, but even before Watson, that guy won eight, nine, 10 games every year. I mean, when's the last time they've been six and 10, even with Schaub and some of the awful quarterbacks he had before Watson. So I don't know that he's such a bad head coach. I mean, I think he gets too much heat as a head coach, but way in over his head as a GM.
0: Yeah. And that's why he won the power struggle because he won enough and he's respected enough by ownership for him to say, look, this old GM wasn't doing a great job anyway. And he screwed up the draft when we were supposed to get a tackle. Now I've got to clean up his mess and I got to pay too much now to trade for an offensive tackle. So why don't you just let me be the GM and we'll see how this goes. And, And it might not go great for the next couple of years, but he's got his quarterback and that's, really key and we'll see what happens with Daniel Jones in New York, but um, yeah, that's an interesting one. Coach, I'll take O'Brien and I still like where Houston is, but at least Gettleman is an actual GM.
1: Yeah, and neither would be really high on my list. I do think O'Brien's a little bit of an underrated coach though. He's gotten a lot out of a little for most of his tenure in Houston.
0: Aaron asks, with the new 17 game schedule, will contracts focus more on per game amount rather than per season amount during negotiation? A $10 million a year contract will have less value now per game.
1: I don't think it matters. I mean, I know they made a stink out of what are we going to make for this extra game. I mean, it's not like they get played. I don't know if people know this, they get paid. By the week anyway, I mean, their check only comes once a week and when the season's up, they're, you know, they they only get 17 checks or in this case, maybe 18 checks uh, a, a year. I don't think they look at it as a per game basis. I mean, 90% of the guys when they get signed are going to make it through the year. It's not like, boy, I got eight games. Oh, so I hope I get the number nine. I mean, that's a practice squad way of thinking. I, I don't think it matters.
0: Yeah, and I think they'll get the same percentage of what they already got contract wise. It's what, 5% mm-hmm. more? For that extra game per season, if you mm-hmm. break it down, uh, you know per per game, I think contracts this offseason have gone up by five percent, right?
1: I think so, and so really the cap going up a little bit really didn't go up. I mean, there, yeah. there was inflation across the board. Most teams, I think, added like three million to their cap um, just by everyone getting small raises, something like that.
0: A Dub wants to know about Jameis Winston in. Pittsburgh and you're a Steelers guy I've heard a lot about Winston for some reason in Pittsburgh I don't know why it makes sense other than they need a better backup behind Ben Roethlisberger but they can't afford to pay Winston what he likely could get somewhere right
1: I've been asked this so much over the last week and folks it's an it's almost an impossibility I mean first of all Steelers are super cash strapped and all their remaining pittance are going to go to a nose tackle, maybe a backup tight end. I mean, cheap stuff. Um, and lastly, they just restructured Ben's deal. And you know, we were talking about a lot on the Steeler, my Steelers show that going into you know, we were talking about how the Steelers could make caps of space, and they did a lot of restructures, they cut some dudes, we knew all all that. But going into it, I thought, boy, restructuring Ben is risky because he's he's old, he's coming off a of major surgery. But they did it anyway, and they're a smart organization, my bias aside, and are close to them. I think their restructuring means that they think they got at least two more years out of the guy. I mean, money talks, I say this all the time, this time of year, sometimes it's hard to see, but it's the only time of year, along with the draft, where teams don't lie, and they put their cards on the table. Sometimes it's camouflage, and it takes an expert to find out exactly what they mean. But by restructuring Ben and kicking him down the can, the can down a little bit, he's going to be their guy. I mean, it's it, Winston is not in the cards. This Barry
0: wants to know why more players aren't signed out of the C- CFL. He says, "For your information, all I know about the CFL is some NFL Network documentaries about Warren Moon and Doug Flutie." <laughs> well, I think the first thing is there's a lot fewer Warren Moons and Doug Fluties falling through the cracks as there used to be, and, and practice squads and rosters are so big, and and there's so much information and scouts and players aren't falling through the cracks anymore so i think that's one of the huge yeah. reasons the guys aren't even making it to canada
1: yeah i think that's true i mean i i've told the story before i was in charge as a cfl the year i was with the browns i wrote reports on like the top 10 guys everybody got fired i'm pretty sure those reports were never read by anybody and it wasn't like boy all these guys are awesome i want to pick a, we're, we're going to be such a powerhouse if we can land a couple of them and even like the AFL, you know, that the, the the league that just um, folded. I you mean, a handful, it, yeah. a lot of those guys came to the league and made teams, but nobody really blew your doors off. And really, the XFL and all these leagues are made up of undrafted free agents and not even higher tier undrafted free agents.
0: Last one from frequent tweeter JDS. Is the one-team career player done? I'm convinced Rodgers and Russ will finish elsewhere. Uh, I, I will start this and say, mm-hmm. well, if you're if you're judging by Brady, it's tough because he's such a unique case. Most players would have already been done years ago. He's 43 years old, so it's hard to take him as uh, a you know a, a sign of what's to come and how things will go with these franchise quarterbacks. The quarterback position, I still think, is one that that players will stick. For the most part, unless either they get so old that they're 43 and they're still going or that you drafted your backup like the Rogers Favre situation and you really feel great about this next guy and you can let the older guy go. And by the way, Ro- Rogers, he seems so much younger than Brady, but he's not that young anymore either.
1: No, he really isn't. He seems so much younger than Ben and Rivers and Eli and Breeze, too, but he really isn't. Um, you know, he came to the league one year after the, the Rivers class. I hear what you're saying. You know, Rivers just changed teams. Brady just changed teams. Could Rodgers get pushed out if they draft somebody next year in the first round? Absolutely. Um, someday that day may come for Wilson, although he's at the height of his powers. So, I to your point, yes. I mean, these players have more flexibility now. Um, somebody will take a chance on them once Team A decides that they probably are going to move on. They can pick up somewhere. But there's also the... Keekle's and Lux that are with one team are really good and retire quicker now than they used to so uh, you know they don't have the opportunity to do it from other teams so I'm not sure that it's dead
0: oh do you mean future New England Patriot Andrew Luck that's what I'm saying, I'm saying. <laughs> uh yeah so yeah age is one thing and then the other the other is that quarterbacks are so in demand and so hard to find and when you have a great one teams are going to do whatever they can to hold on to that guy and get everything they can out of him. And and we saw it with Philip Rivers. I mean, he it had to be the point where they were like, well, he's just not that good anymore. So we can let him go. And he wants to try something else and it's not working. We couldn't get the ring. You know, it's, it's not, you can't fault the chargers. You can't even fault new England for not doing even, I mean, they probably tried to do everything they could to keep Brady, but I mean, new England at some point had to move on. It's like, it's getting to that point with these players. Um, but when these players move on, I think maybe it was Peyton Manning, maybe Brady this year, because the Bucks. I like how they're positioned to be a pretty good football team with Brady at quarterback, but most of the time when those teams get that quarterback at the end of their career, it's more named than anything, and they don't really do that great. You know, Montana was still one of the best quarterbacks, if not the best quarterback in the league when he went to Kansas City. Uh, that was a rarity. Bill Walsh was ahead of his time saying, yeah, you know what? Well, they had Steve Young, too, again, which helps to have that other quarterback but Bill Walsh always let a guy go a year too early rather than a year too late, and Bill Belichick has been that way. And even with him, that sort of ended with quarterback because they could have gone Garoppolo a few years ago in 2017 and let Tom Brady go, and they didn't. They kept 40-year-old Tom Brady.
1: Yeah, and this wasn't the case with Rivers and Belichick, but I also think because there's so much movement of front offices and coaches, the new staff might come in and look at an incumbent and be like, I know you've had a great tenure here, but we're running a totally different system and I'm not interested in keeping you. And we're going to, we're going to send you on your way and trade you for draft picks, you know, blow it up like Carolina and Miami and you know, the the Browns have done in the past.
0: Good stuff, Matt. We're out of time here. I'm sure there'll be plenty more news to get into on Friday's program. We'll have everything covered around the league, talking free agency. We're going to get back into draft mode for the next month. Uh, look out for our, extravaganza with the nfl draft it's going to be even bigger and better than it was last year a full week mock draft with everybody from the locked on podcast network all the teams college representatives involved in this mock draft Uh, so fun last year it's going to be even bigger and better this year so look out for that in a few weeks leading up to the draft and we'll be back tomorrow right here locked on nfl